Hello, and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings. Each episode, we choose a different expert to discuss the latest and greatest in digital marketing. Today, we're sitting down with Melissa Nicely, Ryan Muse, and Jessica Arnell to talk about driving increased local support in digital media. I'm Gaia Reed. And I'm Andrea McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. Thanks for tuning in to Digital Marketing Musings. Today, as uh, consumers are getting vaccinated, gearing up to return to some semblance of normalcy over the summer, we're joined by Melissa Nicely, Ryan Muse, and Jessica Arnell, who are going to give us some insight into how marketers can best support from a local standpoint uh, within digital marketing channels. Melissa has been with Merkle for seven years. She's an associate director in the SEM department and has worked on a number of retail brick and mortar clients spanning from apparel all the way to furniture. Ryan is an SEO manager at Merkle and has been with Merkle for almost three years, specializing in both organic and local search. Jess is a senior manager within the media services group at Merkle, leading strategy and planning initiatives across display and paid social, working with clients to test and learn to grow their business and hit their specific KPIs. Jess has been with Merkle for five years, working across verticals with a focus on luxury retail. Welcome to our show, Melissa, Ryan, and Jessica. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So at the time of this recording, uh, over half of U.S. adults have received at least one COVID-19 vaccine. And we're seeing this is this is going to start preparing many people to start returning back to more pre-pandemic travel and offline consumption habits, particularly when it comes to visiting local restaurants, entertainment, shopping, and those sorts of things. While we are seeing these changing consumer behavior, we also wanted to add a disclaimer at the top of this episode that there are many variants to the COVID-19 virus, which have been affecting the U.S. and other countries. Some U.S. locales are going back into lockdown as a result, uh, and the trends that we're discussing at a national level today may be different at the local level or may change at a national level heading into the summer. So kicking off our questions, uh, and this is to the entire group, what are some strategies that you all saw during the pandemic that were uh, designed to better entice customers to their shop online uh, while its stores were closed or not populated or to encourage them to carefully come back into stores? Yeah, I can I can go first. Uh, so the biggest thing I think is the, the in, in the parking lot pickup or curbside pickup. Uh, I think that's almost standard across all the different companies, uh, larger box stores, especially that uh, we've been seeing. So uh, that's definitely like the biggest change I think I'd see is that's almost kind of like the new norm. Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of that with uh, with grocery shopping and that sort of thing, but also with clients with our retail and um, clothing, all of those sorts of things as well. Uh, Melissa, was there other items that you want to call out also? Yeah, I was going to mention um, specifically for one of my clients where it's like larger goods, um, typically browsing in showrooms or things like that is kind of an occurrence, but um, rolling out appointment setting as something to limit the number of individuals in stores um, has something that has been successful and they'll likely continue just for that one-on-one -on -one interaction. Yeah, we actually saw something similar uh, for my retail client where either in-store appointments with like a personal shopper, um, we those were offered prior to COVID, but definitely picked up um, in the amount of people that were utilizing the service. But then also 
um, just like online chatting with a store associate, you know, if you're in between sizes about a product or um, if there's something you're not sure if it's available in your store or whatnot, um, we saw that that chat feature got utilized a lot more during COVID and specifically during like the holiday season within COVID. I think an extreme that I had seen even with one of my clients is we were supporting supporting only offline prior to the uh, pandemic and they stood up an entire e-com support within like a month or two of the pand- pandemic uh, hitting the U.S. and um, have finally like really regained an online presence. So I think some of the, the um, more offline heavy uh, retailers are, are doing similar things. One of the other things that I was going to add was more flexible return policies, just messaging that mm-hmm. and showcasing that as like a, um, you know, a value prop yeah. is something that everyone really appreciated during 2020. So not sure if that is going to be something that is continued, like with, you know, that sure. greater flexibility, but it was something that was super helpful in 2020. Yeah, I know as a consumer, that's something, especially like with clothing that I was like purchasing online. I was like, well, there's no way for me to try this on. Hopefully I can return it if I need to. Uh, but I very much appreciate it. Yeah, I know I've heard from some clients who the um, extended return policies, while really wonderful for consumers and really great for initial conversion rates, definitely contributed <laughs> to like higher higher return rates in general and like higher restocking uh, costs and and all of that. Um, And there's kind of been this push for more adoptions for um, like virtual try on or um, some sort of virtual reality feature function to be able to kind of preempt some of the the returns that would happen. Yeah, we've seen like AR, VR be a huge part, even in like the beauty space where you typically like want to see it in person, being able to try on like a lip color or something uh, in VR, which is really cool, um, has become like more expected than like cool anymore. It's like that is now something people want to be able to see it on their skin tone or with their different coloring to kind of understand what is going to work best for them. Um, Because I think clothing is one thing, but then like returning beauty after you try it on is definitely not typically allowed. Um, So that's definitely something we've seen take off as well. And just in general, like more of the in-store experience online. Um, So a lot of like luxury retailers, a lot of the purpose of like going into stores, the experience, not just to buy something. It's not to check off something um, on your list and pick something up. It's more like to have the experience of being in the store. So wherever we can figure out how to do that via AR and VR, or even if it's just things that would normally be set up in store and only offered in store, uh, bringing that to the online experience as well. And then Ryan, I know we were talking offline, kind of prepping for this podcast. Uh, You have a client that's a home builder and we're telling me some interesting stuff they were doing as well. Yeah, so they are mainly doing virtual tours of their homes now. uh, And that's one of their big promotions because uh, a lot of these, the new home building, uh, in, when, when 
usually before you go in, go view it. Now it's it's obviously there's different regulations between what city, state, and everything else you're in, and so virtual tours are massive with this uh, home building company that we we deal with. There's also just generally such a high demand for houses. I've heard of so many uh, of my friends who are trying to buy houses right now, and they're competing against people who are just buying houses like sight unseen and and just like <laughs> gutting them or redoing them uh, oh, yeah. which is terrifying but also um, I've heard of people even on my team at Merkel who have been doing all of those virtual appointments looking at apartments like moving into them so it, it definitely is becoming pretty commonplace so we've got everything from retail to like housing covered with this like virtual showrooming which is fascinating that it's like as common as it is and all really because of the pandemic. Yep. Um, so as we're considering all of these things, what do you all think uh, digital marketers should be thinking about for their online programs to make sure that they're able to fully support um, offline locations during this surge of demand or people going back in store? Yeah, I can, I can kick it off in terms of the SEO side of things. Uh, so the first thing, first and foremost, is just making sure you have a local landing page on your website if you don't have one already. Um, also making sure that for each one of your businesses, if you do have a business in the different cities or states, just making sure that you have a, a local landing page for each one of those. Uh, it's good for uh, just user experience and also good for Google My Business, which I'll touch on here in just a second. Um, and, and also on those landing pages, just make sure that you include all the details of everything that your store is doing. So is there curbside pickup? Is there uh, virtual tours? Uh, what you're doing in terms of like COVID specific and, and keeping you and the, and the staff safe. Um, also too, one thing too with those local landing pages, one little tip is that recent studies have actually shown using near me in the meta title tag has actually been increasing rankings. Um, and personally, I just don't feel like enough businesses are taking advantage of this, but that's something to definitely uh, look into for your meta title tags on your local landing pages for your website. And Ryan, can you, just pausing here, can you just uh, describe what a title tag is and where it shows up in the SERP? Because I know not all of our listeners will be familiar with that. Sure. So when when someone Googles a term and all the blue links that come up, that's going to be your meta title tag. Um, so it's basically what is what is being displayed to users after someone does a Google search. Yep. And the next thing is just making sure that you have a Google My Business uh, account set up. So Google My Business is free. It's a service provided by Google. And it's super easy and simple. And if you don't have one set up, you can go in and add your business name, your address, your phone number, uh, your business description, pictures, basically everything about your business. And, and what Google does is uses that information. And when someone searches for, let's just say your business, on the right-hand side of the search engines results page, or as, Google, or as Andrea said earlier, the SERP. Uh, so if we refer to it as a SERP, it's just the, after someone makes a search, that's what the results page that shows up. And on the right-hand side, you'll notice when you search for a business that uh, there's kind of like a local knowledge panel and it has like the business name, the hours, uh, uh, the phone number, and there's also buttons that you can click on to make it super easy for the consumer. So you can, uh, the consumer can click on the website directions and it'll take you right into Google Maps and it'll take you, it'll give the user directions right to your business. Uh, you can click to call, so it'll call directly from your computer or your phone or wherever you're searching from or the consumer searching from. 
So super important to get a Google My Business uh, account set up if you don't, and it's very easy to set up. And there's tons of tutorials online about how to do that. Uh, once you do have Google My Business uh, set up, there is a couple different uh, things that we can look at in, in terms of how to portray different messages about your business during COVID. So like, what are you guys doing uh, to stay to stay open? Are you Is there certain regulations that you have to follow within your city or your state? Uh, for example, going back to that local home building company, uh, one thing that we did is utilize the Google My Business descriptions. So what we did is used all of their previous descriptions, but we added one to two small sentences in front of their normal Google My Business description. And we just said, that all their offices are currently still open. So there wasn't any confusion. Everything is still open and that virtual tours are available and you can also come in by appointment only. Uh, there is unfortunately no area in Google My Business to say that uh, that you're open by appointment only and removing hours. So if, if you do want an appointment by only, you have to keep your hours in there and just put it in like basically using the, the Google My Business description. Um, so use utilize the, the GMB description. Uh, and, and help portray any messages that you need to for your uh, COVID stuff that's going on with your business. Uh, the next thing to utilize is Google Posts. So Google Posts is another feature with inside Google My Business that you can basically uh, post something that you use an image and then kind of like a short description about that image. Uh, and you can also have uh, call to action uh, buttons so you can say call or visit this page or learn more. Um, so definitely take advantage of Google Posts. It was previously. So previously Google Posts only stuck around for about seven days. Uh, and there's also different features within Google Posts. Uh, so there's um, there's like the COVID, uh, I think there's a COVID-19, I'm just pulling up my notes here, COVID-19, there's ad offer, what's new, ad event, ad product. Uh, so there's there's different variations that you can use with, with Google Posts. And previously, if you selected COVID-19 as an option for posting, uh, it would be up for 14 days and any other Google Post that you had was seven days. Google has now dropped that. And if you make a Google Post, it essentially stays up forever. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, it's great if you want like kind of like an evergreen post that's always has information, but if you have information that's going to expire after a certain time frame, then just make sure that we delete that Google post. Uh, but Google Posts is a great way to, to get out additional information about your business, uh, especially around the COVID stuff. One caveat though for the COVID-19 Google Post is that you cannot post an image with the COVID-19 post. So uh, typically what we do is use the what's new, which is the most popular. It's used by uh, almost everyone. Uh, it has, you can post an image uh, that has text or, or anything to kind of get the user's attention down on the Google post. And then also, uh, like I said, you can have a description and then a call to action button. And there's like, I think seven or eight different call to action buttons to choose from. So question about the Google post that I know I've gotten from my clients a few times, uh, where does this actually show up? Is this like within the knowledge panel that you described? Like if you're looking at your desktop, looking at the, the search results page, that's off to the, the right-hand side, or is this in the map pack, which is typically the, the section that is um, usually listed towards the, tw the top of the search result and will show different, uh, like if you're searching for like tacos, different locations that sell tacos near you, 
like, will you see it in, in either one of those locations or is it something you have to kind of click through to see? Can you describe that for us, Ryan? Yeah, good question. And so the Google posts are going to be displayed in the knowledge panel, the local knowledge panel area on the towards the bottom of the knowledge panel, unfortunately. So there's no way to move things around within the knowledge panel, but unfortunately it's going to be kind of on the right hand side in the SERP towards the bottom. Um, but you will be able to utilize that image to kind of draw the user's attention down to that, that Google post. And that's kind of essentially what we did with uh, our home building client as well. Put big text saying that we're open and then the, all the stipulations of, of like the by appointment. Um, and you also brought up a good point too. Google My Business also uh, utilizes the local map packs. So when you're doing searches, for example, vacuum cleaners, uh, now we're kind of getting more into the e-com space, but if you were searching for like vacuum cleaners, there is now like a local map pack that shows up within right in the SERP. And that typically has three different uh, three different stores within that map pack. And again, you can click into it and then interact within uh, Google Maps or you can go to the website uh, or call the business. Uh, so it's a great, great way to to also get into the local map pack uh, area in the in the SERP. Uh, just a couple more things with Google My Business. They there is some new new things that have come out since COVID has all started. And one of them is attributes within Google My Business. And uh, when you're setting up the profile, you'll see these attributes. There's a couple different things, uh, one on the political side and one kind of on the health and safety side. And again, this is all kind of news because of COVID. Uh, but there is, and also too, with all the, the, the politics that are currently happening right now. And in terms of the politics side, so you can choose how your business identifies as. So you can, a few different examples, you can identify as black owned business, veteran led business, women led business. Um, so there's a, there's a bunch of different attributes you can select from how you want to identify as, and it'll show up right in your uh, local knowledge panel there. And then also to the health and safety, this is kind of the big one, especially around COVID. Uh, there's different attributes like appointment required, mask required, you can put staff and or consumers. Uh, is there any temperature checks, staff or consumers? So if you have a medical space, typically before you can get into the medical space you or medical uh, area, you, you need to have your temperature checked. So you can put that in your, Google My, uh, in your Google My Business, which will show up in the knowledge panel. And then um, you can also put in another one is, is staff, is, is the staff required to disinfect services between visits? So some of this is really important to some consumers. If they want to go visit the store, this is the stuff that they look for. Uh, last but not least, and the big one for, for GMB is to, this is often overlooked, is to manage reviews and questions and answers. Uh, so questions and answers and reviews are two different things. Questions and answers you'll find in that local knowledge panel on the right-hand side of the SERP. And if you search for any business right now, if you were to search for anything, uh, you will notice that there's a questions and answers section where anybody can ask a question. And unfortunately, anybody can answer those questions. So some of them can be kind of funny if you actually search around. So it's very important as a business to monitor those questions that come through and respond back to those questions and make sure that you don't get a random person responding back that's giving wrong information about your business. Same holds true with reviews. Any reviews that you get, good or bad, uh, there's you should have a review management uh, system in place to be able to, to manage those reviews, like I said, good or bad. Um, there's actually a report put out in 2016 by Power Reviews that said 82% of shoppers 
specifically seek out negative reviews. So they're looking to see what is the bad thing about this business. So it's a, it's super important to respond back to even negative reviews um, and making sure that even the negative reviews are responded to in, in a positive way. Uh, and there's also one other study by Bright Local that said that 91% of consumers between the ages of 18 and 34, so kind of the younger crowd, uh, trust reviews as much as a personal recommendation. So it's a big thing. So 91% of the younger generation re trust reviews as much as personal recommendations. So super important to, to monitor those reviews. Um, but I think that that wraps up everything for, for Google My Business. So uh, again, local landing page, and then set up your, your uh, Google My Business in, uh, within Google. Well, I know that was a lot of time <laughs> on SEO, but I, it definitely underscores the importance of a lot of the quality of the Google My Business account and uh, local landing pages and on-page content on the site as a whole, which the rest of media and SEM and every other channel <laughs> is really dependent on the quality of those things as well. So um, the fundamentals and going back to basics and you know, a stitch in time saves nine. I can't tell you the amount of time that I spend researching <laughs> or calling a store uh, before I go now nowadays. So um, it's it's probably really important to spend a lot of your time on those features. Um, but switching gears, Melissa, do you want to take us away with SEM? Yes. Um, Ryan went through a lot of SEO, Google My Business pieces, and if you connect that with SEM, you're golden. So um, one of the pieces before you re-enable location extensions or you know uh, activate your LIAs again is you want to make sure that your Google My Business information is updated. So really, that's the first kind of checklist item from the SEM side is connect with your SEO team and make sure that all of that information is good to go. Um, and then the next kind of checklist item is from an LIA, which is local inventory ads. Um, you read my mind. <laughs> I was just yeah. to, to define that for us. Yeah, you want to make sure that that info is updated. It's a possibility that it's stale just because of, you know, the importance of e-com over the past year or so. Um, the LIA refresh might have fallen off your to-do list. And to get those to get that traffic back in store, you'll want to make sure that you're activating against those campaigns. Um, some other things that you'll want to make sure is re-enabled if it's something that you've paused are near me. Again, it's something that Ryan kind of touched on. From an SEM standpoint, those are really high value terms that a lot of people will bid on. And um, the connection between SEO and SEM here is if you have those markups or those things on the page, that's going to give you a higher quality score for those keywords. And you know, that's just going to continue the, uh, it's going to continue to benefit you. That link between just like marks, markups on the page and um, what you're activating against in SEM. And then finally, local ads. It's more of a, a newer ad format, but it is intended to drive to store. 
it might not be something that you've activated yet at all because of the recency of it, but it is something that Google is pushing for because it is a more holistic type ad format, meaning there's visuals, there's the feed link, there's text. And um, for the clients that I've run that for, it's actually been super efficient to drive in the store. So quick question for you, and this is from someone who knows very little about SEM. Can you describe what like an LIA ad would look like versus a local ad and like where it would be placed when you're looking at a search results page? Yeah, good question. So an LIA is very similar to the normal shopping ads that you see at the top of a SERP. Um, you probably really won't even know the difference unless you're on a mobile ad experience and you click that ad. Um, the it's it varies because some clients have adopted like a new merchant center hosted local storefront page versus um, the the original ad format that Google came out with, where it pops up, it provides you a map, it provides you similar items, it provides you distance to the store, things like that. So, but if you look from a desktop, it's identical to PLAs. Um, but the local ad is one that will look very different depending on what type of ad you got. So I mentioned it's like a mixed media ad format and it could serve as like a display ad, it could serve as a PLA, it could serve as just a location listing, kind of like in the map pack, like as a sponsored piece, or it could serve on your Google Maps as like a specific sponsored emblem. It's very um, versatile. Perfect, thank you. Something that we've definitely been, been seeing a lot on the SERP too, Melissa, is that those local inventory ads are really preferenced near stores um, over mm -hmm. regular shopping ads. So for retailers who aren't running any LIA support today and are getting beaten out by uh, local competition, it should definitely be uh, yeah something that they look to set up. Yes. And if they're familiar with PLAs, it's essentially the same process. It's just a different data source of what's actually in your store. So question question for you guys related to this, because I have a client who will be very, very interested in this, so I'm now selfishly using the time for this. Um, is it based off of a Centroid similar to how GMB works off of, or do you know the like, logistics behind that? In terms of if the ad would show in the distant? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think it's, in, it's okay. preferenced uh, within 15 miles to store, some somewhere around that. Um, okay. And okay. they've been getting more and more aggressive. I see them all the time now on desktop, whereas it used to be way more heavy mobile uh, primarily. Um, and it looks like huh. uh, Google's continuing to push that, that preference for LIAs for sure. Interesting. Thank you for answering my question. <laughs> yeah, it's an exciting it's an exciting ad format. For um, just a few last quick things from the SEM side. So obviously, ad copy updates. Make sure that your messaging drive-ins, like your in-store driving tactics, like Bopis or those things that we kind of talked about at the top of the call, um, to get people back into your store. And simply just saying, like we're open. That's <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> something that might be overlooked, but if you say it, then it's very clear. And then the last kind of nuance that might be interesting to watch this year is in 2020, everyone was at home and desktop became more of a device that people were using rather than like prior years where the desktop trend has come down a little bit and mobile was generally increasing. Desktop was actually... Um, you know, pretty strong in 2020. But with people out and about and moving again, mobile is going to just skyrocket back up to where it kind of has been trending. So something to watch, something to consider when you're making your adjustments for bids and things like that within SEM campaigns. Yeah, that's a really great call out that has broader effects than just SEM for sure. I feel like yeah. the other channel leads would agree. Um, Cool. So Jess, do you want to kick us off with media? Yeah, for sure. And I think some of this kind of ties back to what Melissa was saying. I think depending on the advertiser, uh, local ads can be run by your display team or your search team. And like Melissa said, they are based on Google's algorithm. So they can appear all over as a display ad, as a search ad. So um, definitely having um, just repeating what Ryan and Melissa both said of having um, your businesses all set up correctly within Google Ads or any DSP that you're using so that you're able to run local campaigns on display. Um, and then similarly on social um, with our pals over on Facebook and Instagram, making sure that your businesses are set up correctly there. Um, there isn't as much uh, that you can edit, uh, like what Ryan was saying on Facebook and Instagram, but having all of your businesses up to date with their hours, especially if they've been adjusted for COVID is super important as well. Um, and then depending on the advertiser and the goals, um, there is a similar opportunity to utilize local feeds um, to show in-store product availability through remarketing as well as through dynamic prospecting. Um, just to further personalize the user experience. And if you are in range of a nearby store, uh, being able to show users what is relevant to them, but also available near them has shown a lot of strength. Um, and then I would second what Melissa said of, you know, it might seem silly to say now open, but highlighting that stores are reopening, highlighting um, the BOPIS options, highlighting in-store appointments, um, even uh, safety measures to some extent. We've seen mixed reviews on promoting uh, going back in store because of the safety measures. So we typically keep that on more of like the organic or just within our creative, but don't want it to be overbearing on trying to decide if someone should go in store um, as that obviously is a personal decision, but making sure that it's very clear what stores are doing um, through ad copy and creative is super important. And then lastly, um, just making sure that offline connections for sales are set up, if that is something, um, or conversions, I should say, depending on uh, your advertiser. Um, but thinking about social specifically on Facebook and Instagram, uh, they are sunsetting the ability to report on store visits. So previous campaigns for store traffic, um, they're still available and you can still drive users in store, but you'll be either optimizing on reach or on that offline conversion if you're able to set it up. 
So obviously offline reach is great, um, but if you're really a conversion-focused advertiser, um, the ability to optimize towards offline sales will just ensure that the most qualified customer is reached uh, via your paid social advertising. And I know that this isn't really specific to any one channel, but it's definitely been a point of conversation I've heard amongst Merklers and then our client set in general is just making sure that there's like an actual value prop to going back into stores. A lot of consumers have been um, swayed over onto the dark side of e-com during the <laughs> pandemic. Um, wider selection, a lot of uh, availability, um, don't have to interact with people. Yeah. Um, so for for advertisers who are just concerned about getting that traffic back into store, making sure that they're um, doing something specific that really um, highlights the value prop of what do you get when you when you come back in store. So Jess was talking about these luxury retailers who their primary um, selling point is that in-store experience and being very personalized. Um, there are uh, many advertisers who could probably stand to learn a bit from from some of those really great experiences uh, that some of those businesses are are promoting. Definitely. And then, Guy, I know we were talking kind of offline, pre preparing for the uh, the podcast of other ways that advertisers can be driving in-store visits. Um, I know we were talking about in-store-only events and those sorts of things and ways to surprise and delight once they're in-store. Do um, you have any thoughts you want to share about that? Yeah, I've been hearing from a lot of clients about... Um, you know, giving store associates the availability to do like um, uh, giveaways for gift cards or um, having specific offers that are only available in store or app specific offers that are redeemable once you are in the proximity of a store. Yeah. Um, and we're just really expecting that resurgence in desire to have <laughs> um, experiences in general for consumers. Yeah. Um, Jess, I think you were going to tag in, but your your volume was a little bit low. Um, yeah, I think one other thing is just as stores begin to reopen and even new stores start to open, um, sending influencers to events in store will be a part of our strategy again. But it won't be kind of the same way as in the past where there were mass gatherings in stores where it was an event from 4 to 5 p.m. and be there and get whatever the cool offer is more so now in-store offers and raffles and things that are incentives, um, store associates giving giveaways and things like that, um, where, you know, maybe it's, if you're in the store area within the next two days, check this out and get a free giveaway or something along those lines, as opposed to um, really encouraging the, the more mass gatherings. I don't think we're there just yet. So as physical locations and venues are beginning to see more people coming back in, um, what changes do we expect will continue uh, to be used by, by companies to, to drive demand for customers? I think, I think the curbside pickup is going to stay. I think that's something that it's super convenient. Uh, my wife was, uh, we just gave birth, but when she was, we have also have a two-year-old. So going to the store for her being like nine <laughs> months pregnant and have a two-year-old, uh, it was super convenient for her to use a curbside pickup. And I think that's something that um, even having two young kids now, it's it's super easy instead of going in and, and 
if any other, any other parents can relate, it's can be kind of a nightmare trying to bring two young kids into the stores. But, <laughs> uh, I think that'll definitely stick around. Agreed, especially for retailers that have like very scattered or large store that you have to go and mm-hmm. trek through. Being able to reserve exactly the size of something you want and just have it right at the front for you is just, it's just so nice. And not even have to go in, like just have it delivered right to your car. Um, like Brian was saying, like I couldn't imagine having little ones trying to like navigate a grocery store with all this going on. And definitely nice to have the convenience even after the pandemic winds down. Um, what about like online experiences? Do we think that's going to continue. I feel like there's been a huge investment by a lot of companies from that perspective. Yeah, I think so. Um, for the clients who, or like for companies who have like a specific set of products, thinking like some sunglass apparel or like things like that, where it's like pretty set, if they've invested in the virtual reality or, you know, those like try on things that Jess was talking about earlier with beauty. I think that's going to persist because especially if it's had good engagement, they might as well keep it um, because the upfront cost has already been incurred. Totally. What do you guys think about safety? Yeah, I know there's, there's some stores that uh, like, you know, that uh, I go into that they have the sanitation, sanitation, things all over the place. So you can go in and, and sanitize anywhere you want in the store. And I think that's, that's huge. I think that's important for a lot of people also to the, the mask distribution, the free mask distribution inside stores. So like, even if you walk in, you're like, Oh no, I forgot a mask. It's, they have one there for you to use. I don't know if I'm ever going to go on another plane ride maskless <laughs> again in my life. <laughs> that's, yeah. I'm just getting back on a plane is like, wow, that, that's a lot right now let alone like not having a mask on. Definitely agreed with you, Gaia. Jessa, do you want to tag in? Yeah, no, I was going to say from the safety perspective and then also the in-store experience perspective, I think um, something we've talked to our advertisers about is no matter what what we come out of this, if um, digital is kind of the new flagship for lack of a better uh word um so i don't think the online experience is going away i think the offline experience is now in addition to the online experience um and so how can you pair those two together and obviously one of those things is what can you offer people when they come in store and i i'm based out of new york and i think safety is now like the bare minimum like i'm (laughs) concerned when somewhere doesn't offer me hand sanitizer and check my mm-hmm. temperature when I walk into it. Um, so I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Um, obviously, we don't make the rules, but I just think that's now kind of like an expected piece of what yeah. um, people are walking into stores or um, when they're getting groceries and things that they just kind of inherently expect. And maybe you don't even notice it. Um, but then when it's not there, that's when you're like, oh, every other store I've been in has had masks for free or hand sanitizing stations and things like that. So I think that's just kind of going to be the way of the world for at least the near future. It definitely feels like you need to like really convince me to come back (laughs) in the store almost. Exactly. 
Any final recommendations or tips that you all want advertisers to walk away from this episode and kind of immediately have on their to-do list? Well, from the SEO side of things, local landing pages for your website, uh, <laughs> and then also Google My Business, huge. So get that, get that up and running if you don't have it. Cannot say it enough. <laughs> and then from the media side, I would just say making sure to like communicate with your customers um, and your new customers. You know, what are you offering um, and how does it relate to the current state of the world? And just making that really clear, um, aside, along with what Ryan was saying, making sure the tech is set up is obviously the most important. But then once you're able to do that, having that communication and really providing uh, customers and users what the information they need before they might even realize they need it um, will be super helpful. I think just in general, people have to know that you're back open. So make sure that you communicate that <laughs> to Jess's point in a tactful way. Step one. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of Digital Marketing Musings. Huge, huge thanks to our guests, Melissa, Ryan, and Jessica for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Stay in touch and let us know what you want to hear about next by emailing us at digitalmarketingmusings at merkelink.com. And if you haven't already, please be sure to hit that subscribe button and uh, leave us a, a review. It definitely helps others find us. And uh, if you enjoy our, our shows, please tell a friend about it. Until next time, I'm Andrea McCartney. And I'm Gaia Reed. Bye.